back to other people's lives. How's everyone doing tonight? Or today? Whenever you're listening to this, it's nighttime right now. Uh, today we have a very interesting episode. Um, don't make Greg. <laughs> that was so weird, everything you just said. Why? That's the most confusing thing for a person who could be listening anytime. We're recording this at night. Whenever you're listening to it, good after whatever. How's everyone doing? It's nighttime right now, (laughs) even though maybe it's not. This is why I'm not a radio uh, personality. True. It's a different ball game. Different ball game. Different ball game. For sure. Uh, But yeah, today we are speaking to a woman who is a schizophrenic. Yes. Has schizophrenia. Which I'm not even completely sure of. Like the intricacies of schizophrenia? I just know that word has a lot of weight to it. That is like... Yeah. I think if if you say schizophrenia... The first thing that pops into my mind, because when people would say it like loosely, when people are like making fun of each other or whatever, it would be uh, similar to bipolar or multiple personality disorder where it's like you were this way, then you're acting this way. Like, whoa, whoa you're schizophrenic. Like you have multiple personalities or whatever. But I don't believe that's exactly what No, it is. I, th- I think it's very different. I, I think a lot of people assume it's similar, but like the most basic way that I understand it is it's a disorder where you really lose touch with reality. That's kind of like the, the simplest terms that I can think of where I know you experience or can experience a lot of paranoia. Um, I think hearing voices is like the main, yeah. you know, main aspect of it. Uh, hallucinations, delusions. And one thing about schizophrenia, I know it occurs later in life. So that's scary to think about. It usually starts between like ages 16 to 30 but it can even go beyond 30. I think like after you're like 45 and older, like most people don't get it. Develop it. But like, yeah, well into your 20s, into your 30s, that's scary to think about. Like something that, something like that, that would occur later in life. Mm -hmm. Like, like we're prime age almost. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, it could, it could definitely happen. Um, But, like I said, I don't know too much about it. I'm, I'm eager to, to learn about it because I think this is one of those things that, although the name is very known, mm. I don't think anyone really knows about it, though. It's yeah. just like you have assumptions about it, but you don't really, you never really like researched it. Yeah, and I think people people know it as it in its most extreme form. I think when you think schizophrenia, you you kind of concoct that image of like a crazy person on the street that is paranoid. That's telling you the FBI has tapped their, you know, phone or they're like wearing tinfoil on their head and just completely out of touch with reality. It sounds like super paranoid. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah. and, And I think just the idea that, that, that person who's experiencing that is just kind of living in their own world and that they would have tendencies to, you know, be violent. Um, that kind of seems, you know, just it's that type of like psychotic behavior. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I mean, just by the fact we have this show today, like we're not talking to someone who's walking around Central Park with like one shoe on, you know, like talking to pigeons right now. Like obviously there's there's extreme forms and there's people who live with this every day. It is not curable from what I understand, but, um, you know, there, there's treatment. So 
yeah, we're going to speak to a woman who, you know, reached out to this, uh, was diagnosed, uh, I believe a few years ago, has been seeking treatment, um, you know, obviously went through some dark times, but is, is here to talk about it with us today. All right, before we get to our call, uh, let's get to our first sponsor for today. Guys, talk about being good at sex, but how about actually being good at sex? Right, and now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed um, with Blue Chew. Uh, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And listen, this isn't just for anyone that's having any erectile dysfunction. Uh, It could also just if you want to increase your performance, you know what I mean? So if you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, which we all could. Let's be real. uh, (laughs) Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Um, It's prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor uh, visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no like awkwardness. Guys, if, if you don't understand what we're saying right now, you go online, you discreetly get... These chews shipped to you that make your dick work better during sex. That's true. And and that's it. Like, end of story. Yeah. Uh, they're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Okay? And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. You can visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code OPL. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's bluechew, spelled B-L-U-E-C-H-E-U.com. Promo code is OPL to try it for free. You just pay $5 for shipping. Hello? Hey, how's it going? You got Greg and Joe. Good. How are you guys today? We're great. Um, So we kind of just wanted to start off by just getting, uh, you know, the definition of schizophrenia because I feel like there's a lot of common misconceptions about what exactly it is. So can we hear from your words exactly what it is? So with schizophrenia, at least in my experience, is that a lot of people think it's this very hardcore definition is like you either have it or you don't. And as with like a lot of mental illnesses, it's actually a spectrum Mm -hmm. because that's what I mainly struggled with when I was diagnosed is that I was like, oh, no, oh, no, I have this huge, terrifying, like awful disease. This means I'm crazy. And it's actually like you can be on wide points of it and you can either be like just a little bit or just a lot. But it's mainly about a like an imbalance of uh, serotonin within your brain. And that can either be extreme or it can be slight. Okay, so what are some of the symptoms that come along with that? Uh, At least in my experience, it's been uh, trouble with my hands and my body and my speech. Uh, I've always experienced depression, but, uh, severe depression, severe anxiety and severe paranoia towards people that are just like an everyday part of my life that I shouldn't have ever felt those feelings towards, but it just suddenly on came in my life. And, um, I only ever have had a couple of experiences with disembodied voices, so I don't have a huge amount of experience on that but i have had that happen to me so what does that mean exactly uh it means so everybody has a voice in their head that they talk to like it's your conscience you know what's happening you can think a thought and you hear it in your brain but it's something that's onset it's not quite a hallucination in a full like visual sense it's more of like hearing things that you wouldn't normally think like 
everybody has like the, the suicidal thoughts or that and it was like oh no you should kill yourself you should kill yourself now you should take that knife you should stab yourself in the chest do it do it and that that's literally a voice that you're hearing in your head telling you these things that, yes. that, and you're not able to get it to stop you're not able to get it to stop it's something that keeps going and going and going no matter what you do and like normally other people can be like well i do meditation i do this and it's like something that just does not stop wow when that did happen to you what i mean what was the experience with it what what were some of the things that the voice was saying um so I've always had a big problem with uh, suicidal thoughts, and I've always kind of experienced them, but been able to quell them. But um, when this particular experience happened to me, I was so terrified that I called 911 and asked them what to do because I did not know what to do, which is kind of like an odd experience. But I was like, I just, I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to handle this. And they were like, okay, you need to go to the mental ward. That's so intense. Like, <laughs> Cause so you were not diagnosed at that point and it was just obviously such yeah. a new scary experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like yeah. how, how do you reach out for help? Like, no, I'm telling you this thing is going on inside my head. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, is this something that comes on kind of like rapidly and suddenly? Is it like like you mentioned paranoia with people around you? And uh, I'm just talking about these things because I think even like the definition that I gave and I think just what people associate schizophrenia with is that idea of like hallucinations, voices, paranoia. When you When you start experiencing that, is it... Like, I just imagine it must be confusing. Like, like you're just not sure why, you know, all of a sudden this person who's maybe been in your life for as long as you can remember, like, why are you having these thoughts about them? Is it something that kind of, like, comes on slow and, and you're figuring it out as it happens? Uh, at least for me, it was very sudden. It was, I hit a certain age. I hit, like, 21. And then it all came crashing down i mean it was mildly environmental because i had a lot going on at that point but it was a lot of stress that brought it out in my life and it was all of a sudden like i was having all of these feelings all of these uh scary parts of my life happening and i it was out of nowhere for me like i know what depression is and i knew what anxiety was and i always dealt with that but all of a sudden it was just like all of these new factors that brought down like this huge weight on me so earlier when you said that you have trouble with like your legs or your hands, what, what exactly did you mean by that? Uh, so I mainly my problems with my hands. Um, I work in a job that is very uh, so I'm a professional glassblower. So the uh, what we compare that studio art to is being classically trained on a violin and the amount of dexterity and hand eye coordination it takes to be comparable at it. So having even slight problems with not being able to control certain part, like certain movements or like having problems with my fingers spazzing, it was like detrimental. So it's it just like you can't control your hands like they kind of move. Mine would just like I would either lock up and they'd be stuck straight out or they would be like I couldn't handle or I couldn't control which way they were moving and they would flex and, and uh, they would straighten out like at my like not at my will like i would just drop things that's it's so scary to hear like i know we just went over like so many things quickly but it's it just seems like every element of this is just 
these like unwanted things happening to you that you just are not in control that that's really scary oh yeah it was uh it was very terrifying it's also (laughs) like it i was explaining from my understanding most of the time schizophrenia comes on later in life you mentioned 21 i've seen that you know it kind of becomes prevalent in some people in their 20s sometimes even into their 30s uh that just feels very again like terrifying but also like unfair like you're like you've gotten used to living your life like as an adult at that point and and then something like that can come so suddenly yes or like I don't, I don't necessarily say I was used to being an adult. I was, uh, or, yeah, I was newly, I was, <laughs> I was just coming in. Uh, like I had just graduated college. Like I had just graduated college. I had started working full time for my, uh, first real studio job. And my, luckily my boss was like one of my best friends. So, and I've known him for like six years, but before that it was just like, uh, <laughs> figure it out. So like coming in and, being new to this environment and then having this huge new weight it was like oh no uh is this something you can kind of control or maybe suppress a little bit to make it like not as bad like is there medication or is there you know like you know meditation like that helps it at all well i'm fully medicated now (laughs) uh i a lot of people will be able to, with other diseases, sometimes are able to wean themselves off of medication. But I have a definite chemical imbalance. Like, my brain just does not make enough serotonin to function as a normal human being. So I will be on medication for the rest of my life. But at least I can control my thoughts and my actions. Do you know why it, it comes on later in life? I honestly, it's, it's, or at least from what I've read, it's something to do with puberty hmm. because you're, um, and like a lot of the times when you hit 20 or 21, you'll go through like what's called a second puberty and like, you'll start to like change again, or at least in girls, it's very prevalent to yeah, change like, uh, again I'm at a certain I'm thinking I age. never went through that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that never happened. <laughs> I'm the same as when uh, I was 20. Yeah, a lot of girls will, like, you'll change again when you hit 20 or 21. It's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, like, I'm going to have babies. So, like, I got to have bigger hips and all this stuff has got to happen. And that somewhat happens when you first go through puberty, but then it it really onsets in a later point in your life. And or at least what the doctors have told me is that was my main trigger is my brain chemistry changed again. And then I was a mess. Hmm. Now, I'm assuming you had somewhat of an understanding or if not an understanding you knew what schizophrenia was you know before this happened to you and you know i mean we even just said it on the intro like i feel like the most common thought is okay if you're it's you're schizophrenic then you're you might be a violent person you might be a i don't know serial killer or you're the person that's in the park using a rat as a cell phone like i I've, I've just heard people associate it with such extreme you know cases i'm assuming that you were like aware of that as well i actually have like a really funny story about this uh in in this context is i used to listen to i actually still listen to it on occasion but a podcast called the last podcast on the left and they talk about serial killers and like their mo's and their medical like their mental health and their chemistry 
And I had got my diagnosis like four days and then I came into work and I had been listening to a podcast on my way to work and they were talking about how this, this particular serial killer was schizophrenic and I'm thinking like the whole drive, like, oh my God, this is me. Oh my God, this is me. This is me. And I like, I walk into work and like, I'm like ready to cry. My boss goes, oh, hey, what's up? And I'm like, I'm a serial killer. And he was just like, oh, whoa, what's up? (laughs) 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 Yeah, but I mean, that's funny. But like, is that a serious fear? Like, I'm trying to put myself in that position where my biggest fear would be like, am I going to get worse? Like, am I going to keep losing control? And like, oh, my God, what if I what if I do become a serial killer? Yeah, I was actually going to ask that question. Is it something that progressively gets worse? Like maybe with medication, it, it stops it, it from like getting worse. But does it like get worse if it doesn't get addressed? Um, from what I've heard, if you don't handle your body, like your bodily health well, if you're not like good to yourself, if you abuse drugs, if you abuse alcohol, like everybody drinks alcohol, sure, whatever. But like if you are an alcoholic, if you have serious drug problems, that can accelerate what's going on in your mind. And I mean, you see, it just changes your brain chemistry yet again. And I mean, I have a significant terror that all of a sudden, like everybody around me is going to realize how crazy I am and that they're going to be like, oh, no, she's going to fucking kill us one day. Oh, I didn't mean to swear. <laughs> um, no, go for it. Um, We've, we've had like, much worse. <laughs> uh, but like, oh, she's going to kill us one day. She's going to do this. She's going to do that. Or in my own right that I'm going to get so far into hallucinating that I don't realize who I am, what I am, and where, like, where anything in my life is going on. And I mean, that's terrifying to me. And I hope it never happens. <laughs> but I'm trying really hard to take really good care of myself so I don't end up like that. No, totally. And definitely want to talk about that too, like some of the steps you've taken and and where you're at now. But I think, you know, it would be helpful, you know, if you're able to and kind of willing to talk about, I guess, some of the, you know, moments when this, when this first happened and, you know, you you mentioned things like hallucinations and, you know, paranoia and kind of, you know, can you give us a real sense or some examples of, you know, what that was like at its peak for you? Uh, yeah. Um, so when I first had started to experience symptoms, it was mainly like I've had the same like 10 friends my whole life and I grew up with them and they've been as close as family to me because I haven't had the greatest family situation. So they've been my brothers, my sisters, my mom, my dad, all at certain points. And I got to a point where I couldn't answer the phone and I couldn't open the door to them and I couldn't even speak to them because all my mind was telling me is that they were wrong for me and they were plotting against me. They were trying to hurt me when all these people have ever done for me is love me and care about me. So it was like the hardest thing in the world to look into their face and know that they're that your one part of your mind is telling you that you should throw them away you should tell them that you never want to see them again because all they're trying to do is hurt you but the other part of your brain is going no this is your family (laughs) they've gotten you through so much already why are you trying to push them away but you can't overcome the part of your brain that's telling you 
to leave and to push them away. And unfortunately, I've lost some people for that. But other people have understood when I explain things to them that I wasn't trying to hurt them and I wasn't trying to do it just because I wanted to. It was just I couldn't control it. But do you think that with the medication that you're on, it becomes very controllable? Or how would you describe, like, you know, while you're medicated, do you have complete control or does it still happen, just not as often? I, for me, it still happens because I'm not like on a very large dose, on a smaller dose. It still happens to me and I still have problems, but I can look at it, think, this is not me, this is my disease. This is not what my brain want, like, what well, not what I want to think. This is not who I am. I can take the steps back and realize that it's not me. I mean, therapy has really helped with that too. So it's not all, not all that. It's mainly therapy and being able to recognize what is who I am and what is my brain. Yeah. No, is it's this, just. Is this something that you kind of like? You know, how often would you say that you have sort of episodes where you have to kind of have that internal battle? Uh, like two, three times a day. <laughs> wow. So it's every day that you have to kind of deal with this. Yeah, it's a it's it's an everyday struggle, but um, I'm still here. So that's the win is that I didn't let it take control. So still made it. <laughs> No, absolutely. And you you said, you know, you did end up, I guess, losing some friends in that time. I guess the ones who, you know, stuck around and, and understood. How do you, how do you share this news with friends and loved ones? Um, honestly, it was one of the hardest things in the world. <laughs> um, the only person I originally told was my brother. Um, my brother and I, uh, even though having bad, uh, bad family situation, we're incredibly close. And the only reason I told him first is because my therapist said, this is in your blood. It could happen to him too. Oh. And so my biggest fear was him going through what I went through and not making it out and letting it, ha letting it overtake him. So he was the first one I told and I called him and I was bawling. I, I didn't even like start the conversation and then cry. I was just like already crying. He was like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? And I was just like, I have schizophrenia. Like it was very unceremonious. It was very spur of the moment. It was very just like all at once. But I didn't know any other way to do it. And he was just like, okay, do you want to come over? <laughs> like, are you, are you all right? <laughs> Is my brother is very funny. He's not very good with emotions. So, like, when you cry, he's, like, that person that just kind of pats you on the back. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Sometimes that helps but, in situations, honestly, to, yeah. to have that type of person. When you around. have someone who's just, like, so cool under pressure or whatever, you're like, all yeah. right, well, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But other than my brother, it's, like, I've sold some of my family and some of my friends, but not all of them have taken it well. So... It's still a process for me telling people. So how can someone not still... take that well? Like, is it just the idea of no matter what, they're just going to, what, are they just afraid? Is it just like a, a judgment that they have? They just think you're like branded with something that can cause them harm one day? I mean, what is it exactly? Um, 
with my mom, it was, uh, and uh, like the whole process of me figuring out, it was, I went through a very large, uh, I basically tried to kill myself and then called the ambulance and was like, I don't know what's happening to me. I need help. And so the way that I found out was I hurt myself and then my mom and took that as anger into me like I guess desecrating the body she gave me and like hurting myself and then direct she's not very great with emotions <laughs> and then directing that anger onto me and we still haven't really spoken in like a year and a half but I I also have to realize that like certain relationships just aren't gonna work and some people just aren't gonna accept it so the people that do I should keep close to me and with other friends it was more of like the they didn't understand the gravity of what I was talking about, so they just took it as, oh, you ignored me for, like, six months. And I was like, no, my brain wouldn't let me talk to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my I brain mean, was telling me you were trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I imagine it's hard to understand. And so many people nowadays, especially, I mean, I'm this type of person, too. Like, I don't meditate or anything. Like, I never made a vision board, but, like, I'm big on, like, willpower and self-control and you know i just think that has gotten me through a lot of situations uh and you know like has given me opportunities just just by having that control of my mindset whatever you want to call it um you know it's something a lot of people obviously talk about and share but to lose that to have that battle that you know you can't win because like the chemicals in your brain are not letting you that's intense and I and I, yeah. I would assume just hard for uh, someone who's never felt something like that to understand. But it's it's, I mean, your brother's reaction seems awesome, and it's you know it's definitely good that you know some of your friends have understood what you're going through. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people when you tell them they're just like, oh, okay, you're still the person I like, so that's fine. And it's like other people are like, oh, you're you're really messed up, or uh, like you are one of the hardest parts of telling people is like I went to the mental ward, I spent that seventy two hours in a holding cell, and people are like, oh no, like you're really fucked up because of that. And I'm like, no, I just needed someone to like take all the sharp things away from me for like a little while. <laughs> yeah. What is that like? We've never really, I don't think we've ever talked about that with but, any guests on this show. Um, like a psychiatric hospital, mental ward, but what, what goes on? I mean, what's, what's it like spending time there? I assume. And I mean, I also wanted to ask this and this kind of goes with what Greg is asking, um, that there's a lot of like therapy in in the hospital. And I was kind of wondering, you know, how often do you go to therapy and you know, how big of a role does that play in your sort of healing? I mean, therapy was a very large thing for me and it still is my life. It's just, I can't exactly afford it all the time because I'm, I chose a not very lucrative career <laughs> and uh, as much as I love it, sometimes it's very hard to afford things and um so instead of doing like one-on-one -on -one therapy in the past like six months I've started doing like group therapy where I talk to other people who don't necessarily have my exact disease but have depression and anxiety which are parts of what I deal with every day so that's also helpful but in the hospital exactly I really didn't get as much help as I expected 
um, I more or less was in a box. <laughs> like I was just in a holding. It was like being in purgatory kind of like where you're just like, you don't really exist for three days because no one sees you. No one talks to you. But like you talk to the people that are there. But, like, none of your family sees you or talks to you or, like, anything like that happens. So it's, like, just three days where there's, like, you can't kill yourself while you're here. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I guess they, they just really want to, like, isolate you and just keep you alive, basically. Reset. For yeah. Days, yeah. <laughs> wow. Because at that point, when you sign yourself to the hospital, you become their liability. Yeah. So if you do hurt yourself, if you do do anything, if you manage to do something your family can sue the hospital oh because you were technically under their care okay so they take that very seriously yeah Yeah, so they're like literally you're not allowed to touch anything they take your shoelaces they take your belt they take your jewelry it was like one of the most demeaning experiences i've ever gone through sounds like prison was just like kind of (laughs) (laughs) basically it was like signing into the hospital like here's my life all right see you in a little bit (laughs) but you found it to be like productive and it helped you oh i i needed that time i was the whole reason i went was because i i was ready to make that decision and i was i was ready to go i did not want to be here anymore i did not want to deal with my own thoughts but um so i i've i've dealt with these attempts before and at one point i got really far into it and Luckily, my brother found me, and he was the one that saved my life. But this time around was exactly what the last... (laughs) All I could think about was what he said to me last time was that you're not allowed to leave me. (laughs) You're not allowed to go out like this, that you're the only other person I have in the world that thinks like I do, and I don't know what I'd do without you. And that was the only thing that kind of kept breaking through my head and made me call the ambulance to be like i need help (laughs) i can't do this because my own brain wouldn't let me call my family members to be like can someone help me can someone do anything i I had isolated myself so hardly that the only person i was like we'll call the authorities (laughs) yeah well we're very glad you're still here yeah your brother sounds awesome (laughs) he's one of the best human beings i know and i'm so lucky to have him (laughs) yeah no that's that's great. That's great to have that relationship just in general. Yeah. Um, is there anything do you think we're leaving out that, that, you know, might be like a common misconception about schizophrenia or anything in your experience that, uh, you wanted to talk about? Yes, actually. Um, so one of the most damaging things I saw after I was diagnosed is I saw the movie, the voices, if you ever have with, uh, Ryan Reynolds in it. I it actually is. Hmm. Love Ryan Reynolds. Never heard of that movie. <laughs> yeah. The voices. It, it's a funny movie if you take it from the standpoint of like not someone that has a super fucked up brain, but <laughs> if you take it from the standpoint of me being like fresh out of the hospital and like having a really hard time dealing with being diagnosed, I looked at. I saw this movie, and it depicts his schizophrenia in such a weird way. It's like his life is beautiful and wonderful and like absolutely everything he wants to be off of his medication but when he takes his medication like harsh reality sets in and it's like oh his apartment's really dirty and he kills people and like the people are in his basement and it's like uh wait what what message is that sending (laughs) 
exactly like i i get what they were trying to do with that comedic relief of him taking the medication makes it like oh this harsh reality yeah but coming from someone who has this disease you can't not take your medication because that is the most dangerous thing you can do it's not like any other disease that i personally i know of that i have experience with there may be something out there that is worse than this and i certainly understand that and I'm not the, I, it's not a woe is me thing. It's uh, more of like a scared thing for the people who think they're fine and they stop taking their meds and then they go back down into that spiral that is so painful and so damaging. And it's like, you just need to take your meds, take them every day, even if you're having a good one. So you can keep having good ones and you can keep being here and you can keep staying with us because <laughs> no one deserves to feel like that. No, absolutely. Do you think a lot of people have schizophrenia but kind of go undiagnosed I, it's it's more than possible because if you don't experience the severe symptoms you never really talk to anybody about it i mean a lot of people are even struggling with just depression or just anxiety and having that kind of stigma of talking to a therapist about it when in reality it's okay everybody needs a little help sometimes and it's not like it doesn't mean you're crazy if you go to therapy it means you're a well-rounded human <laughs> that takes the time to take care of themselves. Absolutely. But, and it doesn't mean you're crazy if you have schizophrenia either. Ah, still learning that one. <laughs> still a hard point. <laughs> um, one thing, just kind of jump back, because I, I don't think we touched on it. It just kind of interests me. Um, the hallucinations aspect. I don't know. I've never done any psychedelic drugs or anything. I have no experience hallucinating. What is that like? Are you actually seeing things that aren't there? So I have never experienced visual uh, hallucinations. That's something that I didn't ever really get to. I don't know. Maybe if I'd been off my drug, my off medication longer, I might have. Mm. I've only ever had disembodied voices, so I can't be a true explanation of that because it's never happened to me. Okay. Got it. Well, yeah. I mean, we definitely thank you for sharing some yeah. really you know, hard things here. Um, and now I think we can get to what we really called you about, which is glass blowing. How <laughs> the hell does that work? And who gets into that? Um, uh, you, you actually don't have to answer. <laughs> but if you it's want to. Slow <laughs> it doesn't work very well. It's a good plan. A lot of patience. No, that's a, yeah, I've just, I've never. When you said that, I was like, whoa, that. that is so unique. Yeah. Like, I've never <laughs> met anyone who has done that. It, there's two types of glass blowing too actually there's the torch working aspect which is like you see like the pipes and all that stuff and then there's the furnace working aspect we call that soft glass that is what i'm a part of so if you ever really get interested in it and you take a look at like uh there's a documentary on netflix called degenerate art it's about jerome baker who's like one of the what well, was the biggest company in like pipe making and bongs and stuff like that and so if you look into that there's a point in it where they talk about soft glass and it's like yeah, what we're doing is technical, what we're doing is hard, but if you take a look at that as soft glass, guys, what they're doing is fucking crazy. And, of course, I had to choose the hardest out of the already hard art form. <laughs> they say it takes 30 years to become a master. Wow. And in America, we say it takes five to become somewhat, to five years to know what you don't know, 10 years to figure out that you're still really lost, and 15 for you to say, I can at least make stuff. <laughs> well, you didn't take the easy route definitely respect <laughs> and commend you for that yeah but 
hey, if you have a passion for art, you got to follow it. Yeah. And I mean, it's with that, it's like if you have a passion for art and you find that medium that clicks with you, like anybody, if they find that, I tell you to stick with it no matter how hard it is because it will be more fulfilling than anything when you finally start to get good at it. Nice. Yeah. I, I like this interesting side note. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, no, but again, I mean, th- thank you for answering, you know, all our questions, uh, you know, and again, kind of digging deep to share some of that. Um, I know Joe mentioned before, but you know, anything that you want to leave listeners with anything that, you know, we didn't cover, uh, that, that you want to touch on. Um, no, just that it's okay to take care of yourself and that it doesn't matter if you're, if you get to the point where you go to the mental world, it's, it doesn't matter what you do. It's your journey. As long as you take the time to understand that you're worth it, no matter what anybody tells you. Well said. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> Have a good one. Have a good night. All right, before we get to our final thoughts, uh, let's get to our sponsor, our next sponsor for today, which is Manscaped. Here's a question for you. Okay. You ever nick your sack while you shave? I mean, let's be honest. We've all nicked. I literally... We've all nick napped. <laughs> I cut my balls. Mom, don't listen to this ad. <laughs> I cut my balls like every time I try to shave. You know when you shave like before vacations? Yeah, you really try to All get All the time. It. And then I'm worried because I'm like, now I have to go in the ocean. Now I have to go in the pool. And I have like an open wound. And am I going to catch something? When I was younger, I was actually like about to go have sexual relations mm-hmm. with a girl. And so I was like, you know, I was, I was being nice. Mm-hmm. I was shaping it up. But then I cut myself. So I was like, I can't go now. Exactly. Because like you just think like a- any like disease is just going to yeah, get into like, there. Yeah, welcome. Welcome in. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's bad. But with Manscaped, accidents are finally a thing of the past. Okay. Uh, they have skin safe technology. So the trimmer that they have, they won't nick your s- sack. No. This, I just used this thing. Again, mom. I really hope you stop listening. It's called the Lawnmower 2.0. They have redesigned the electronic trimmer. I was like going crazy. Like a there. lawnmower. <laughs> it was like, you know, when you like play with like toy cars as a kid and you're just like all over the place. Jesus. Yeah. I was getting rough and I did not nick anything. I also love how they name everything. Just like funny shit. Like they have this thing called the crop preserver, which is like an anti chafing. Yes. Ball, ball deodorant I use that and, too. It's amazing. Yeah. But why wouldn't you put deodorant on your arms? Why would you not put deodorant down there? Yeah. It makes so much sense. Honestly, it's been humid. Gonna need that anti oh, yeah. man, because it gets it gets all stingy down there. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it just makes the most sense. And, and Manscaped, they really do make a good product, and it's like designed for you know your family jewels. All right, so they they've perfected it. Um, and right now you can get 20% off and free shipping if you use our code OPL at Manscaped.com. Okay, always use the right tools. All right, again, you get 20% off. Free shipping with the code OPL at manscaped.com. 20%. All right? Save your balls. Seriously. Your save, balls. Save anything you your got. Your balls are going to thank you. That's what I'm saying. Okay? Manscaped spelled M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Put in that code OPL. You get 20% off, people. Save your nuts. All right. Well, now we know more about schizophrenia there. So that was a very good, like, 
insight on what it's like, you know, and not like a super extreme example. It's kind of like, you know, I, like I had no idea that it was like sort of motor as well. Yeah. Like that, your, your hands that I didn't know. can just like kind of do that. Um, Lots of symptoms. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what that's like, like not having control over your brain and your body like that. That is my worst fear because I feel like I'm a control freak when mm-hmm. it comes to stuff like that. And that's why, like you said, you've never done like mushrooms or acid or anything like yeah. that. And like, that's the la- I would like, that's the last thing I would ever I'm do. I'm too scared to lose yeah, because, any control. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even like the idea of an airplane. Cause I'm like, once this thing is in the air, we can't like pull over <laughs> if I yeah. need to do anything, you know, like it, it I just, I, I can't imagine that it's, that's like my worst nightmare. It really is. And, and same with, it's kind of how I look at like something like dementia or Alzheimer's. It's like to lose, yeah, to lose that control or memories or to just have your reality altered. It's terrifying. It's like the closest thing to like, I don't know why I keep getting this image. It's going to sound really weird, but it's like, (laughs) like I just kept having this image of like, like a horror movie or like an alien movie where like something like gets into you. And is like, you know, take battling over, with yeah, you yeah. to take over and you like, you know, something's not right. Right. And you're just trying to keep that balance and, and stay in control. But you just, you can't like, I mean, you, you literally just can't, you know, you can treat it and you can work on it. But like she said, like that voice isn't going away. You can't just sit there and close your eyes and say, no, I'm taking back control. Right. Like it's no, this is it's not that simple. It's not. And, uh. It really is. I mean, yeah, like you said, it, I I can't think of a worse fear. Yeah, and I also was very surprised to hear that um, even when medicated two or three times a day, this is something that she has to battle with. Yeah, still, um, that's that's a lot, man. Your own body I, I, I can't imagine what that means if you're not medicated. How many times that would happen a day? You know. Well, I think you know. Again, I like I'm not saying these like cases as like a joke, but you know, when you think of, you know, what someone would think of like, here's a typical crazy person that has not gotten help. I I think we've like all seen glimpses of someone going through a certain like psychotic episode or isn't being treated for something like schizophrenia. And yeah, I mean, you just, once you lose that grip, I I think it could get pretty extreme. Yeah. Especially because I think it's like a slippery slope. Once you get completely lost in it, it's kind of like, this alternate reality becomes your actual reality. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, what, there's what's no way to pull yourself out of that, anymore. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, I feel like I have a better understanding now. Like I said, in the beginning of the episode, I think a lot of people like confuse this with multiple personality disorder mm-hmm. and, um, something else I said, I forgot. Um, bipolar, bipolar. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, clearly this is, this is different than those things. And yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a really good interview. I feel like I, I know a lot more now. Yeah. I mean, just once again, another guest who's crushing just, the interviews. Yeah. We I'm get just, so lucky sometimes. Like some people are just so good at interviewing. Yeah. You know? What, they study this or? I don't know. Go to school for this? I feel like I, I mean, wouldn't be a, a glass good... blower, so. Yeah. Which, by the way. <laughs> Should we title this episode The, the Glass Blower? <laughs> it's just not about that at all. <laughs> no, but I, I feel. I don't know anyone who's ever done that. Like, I've seen like two videos in my life of someone doing it. And I'm like, this is incredible. But then I've never even, like, I forgot that was a thing until she said yeah. it. Yeah. It's also so badass to 
know what that like yeah this is gonna take 30 years to master and you're like sign me i up. don't give a fuck yeah exactly I'm down i'm gonna be a master one day yeah but yeah uh good for her yeah um also guys if you if you have a story or you know an idea for a show uh definitely hit us up go to oplshow.com slash contact and fill out the form send us an email we go through all of them uh just give us some time to to get to them but yeah if you have something that is maybe your own personal experience if you've heard of something that you think is a good idea for an episode definitely reach out to us send us a link do whatever you want uh oplshow.com slash contact and follow us on twitter at opl show instagram at opl podcast uh, posting a bunch of stuff there, some video clips of, you know, recaps of the episodes that we do. Uh, follow us on patreon.com slash OPL show for lots of bonus episodes. And thanks for listening. Leave a rating and review. We just asked a lot. Of yeah, you, it was but, a lot for you guys. You know, just pick one of those things. Yeah, it's fine. Well, you'll get to it eventually. Uh, just stick around for the rest of the season. And that is all. See you guys next time. <laughs>